optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now what is it in a broken time? What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com TFS. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Why, hello, my dear little Mädchen. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where it is my job to deconstruct world-class performers of all different walks of life, industries, spheres, whatever you might call it. This episode is a little bit different. A, I am in the offices of my publisher in New York City, hence the bounce off the walls. But the episode you're going to listen to is recorded live at the 92nd Street YMCA. And no, it wasn't on Bleacher's in front of a junior varsity basketball game. It was actually in a gigantic venue, which is gorgeous, to a sold-out crowd of about 900 people. This was my first live podcast in New York City, and it was split into a few parts. This part is a live edition of The Random Show. And there are two guests. We have Kevin Rose, my partner in crime for many things. Kevin Rose, Twitter, Instagram, at Kevin Rose. You can also find him at thejournal.email. is a great newsletter. He's one of the best stock pickers in the startup world. He predicts even non-tech trends with incredible accuracy. Co-founder of Dig, Revision 3, which was sold to Discovery, and Milk, which was sold to Google. After that, he became a general partner at Google Ventures, where he was part of the investment team that funded companies such as Uber, Medium, and Blue Bottle Coffee. And he's now the CEO of Hodinkee, the world's leading online wristwatch marketplace and news site. And he has a lot more, of course, in his bio. The other, this is my first random show threesome, is Matt Mullenweg, one of the most popular guests that I've had on The Tim Ferriss Show. Incredible guy. Twitter, Instagram, at photomatt. M-A-T-T, website ma.tt. He's been named one of Business Week's 25 most, most, 25 most influential people on the web, but I think that's an understatement. He is perhaps best known as the original lead developer of WordPress, which now powers more than 25% of the entire web. If you visited sites like the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, TED, NFL, or Reuters, or my website, then you've seen WordPress in action. He's also the CEO of Automatic, and maybe you didn't notice it's M-A-T-T in the middle, Automatic, which is valued at more than a billion dollars and has a fully distributed team of 500 employees around the world. I'm also an advisor to that company. So we had a blast. We talked a lot about setting goals, uh, New Year's resolutions, 
and so on, because quite frankly, I wanted to ask them. I'm always looking for help myself. So I do hope you enjoy this Tim Ferriss Show episode and also Random Show episode with Kevin Rose and Matt Mullenweg. All right, so we're going to bring, uh, bring our, our next guests out and we're going to get to it. So uh, please welcome to the stage, Matt Mullenweg and Kevin Rose. And uh, thank you guys these mics. Howdy, howdy. Thank you, sir. Hello. And uh, this is a, hey, a, a live edition threesome of the random show. Uh, so <laughs> welcome to that. And uh, what do we have here, Kevin? What are we drinking? I have no idea. This guy is a corner store. It's, just, <laughs> it's a $7 Pinot. Fantastic. And we also have, I may have to hail the crazy Bulgarian. I think I will do that, actually. Crazy Bulgarian. That's, uh, you all should get one. They're, uh, they're on sale on Amazon. <laughs> Thank you. Christo Vasilev. Riccio. Thank you. So we also have $7 Pinot, and then we have Matt's reacquaintance. Casa Dragones is a sipping tequila, and we have the finest Dixie cups and money can buy. Uh, <laughs> Last time we had this, we had the Blanco, and this is the Hoven, so... That is correct. Mixing it up. Or upgrading. <laughs> what is the Pinot, the $7 Pinot? They want to know. Oh, the tequila, oh, the tequila is Casa Dragones. It's a sipping tequila, uh, which means you do not make shots out of it. It would be very, <laughs> very expensive to do that. There we go. Nice. How's the audio on that? We added that in. Uh, so I think I'm going to wait for a second. Kevin, do you want to uh, do the introduction or should I? Uh, you go ahead. I'm All pouring. Right. All right. Kevin's pouring. Do you want wine or do you want tequila? I'll start with wine and then it'll we'll end sweat. poorly as I add tequila. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. This is not hangover $7, by the way. It's a little bit better than that. All right. Fantastic. Just so you know, you're not going to. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so first oh. of all, oh, oh, did you, was Matt left without? What I, thought you went, I thought you went straight tequila. <laughs> All right. Already screwing things up. Sorry, Matt. No worries. No worries. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. And cheers, audience. Thank you for coming. Cheers. This is a great way, a really fun way for me to to wind up the week with everybody. Uh, So welcome to the Random Show episode 679. We have no idea what number it is. We always (laughs) just make up the number. We have no idea where we are. I'm Tim Ferriss. I'm Kevin Rose. And I'm Matt Mullenweg. Special, Special guest. Cameo appearance. Woohoo! Uh, awesome. so, so, Kevin, I, I'm going to ask the same question because honestly, I ask questions that I'm trying to answer for myself. This is the, the big secret of the, of the podcast and the random show. How do you think about the end of the year? Like, how are you thinking about what to change, what to keep the same? Do you have any approach to that? Ah, uh, that's a good question. So, typically, I do like my end of year New Year's resolution list. This time I decided to forego that and not do one at all, actually, because every year I tend to stick to about half of the things that I want to do. However, I have made a lot of tweaks recently that uh, I want to carry on into the new year. Um, one of them for me was just really dialing in all of my different blood levels. We have a mutual friend, uh, Peter Tia, who's been on your show a bunch. Um, he's helping me kind of dial everything in now that I'm getting a little bit older. So I've been doing a lot of kind of crazy hacks around that. Like what? Uh, well, I just <laughs> completed my first five-day fast, which was really shitty, to be honest. <laughs> I, was it, it, water it sounded only, no, it was it was very a lot of broths that go with it. So um, obviously, super low calorie, uh, still shoots up your ketones, but. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be pretty easy because everyone talks about fasting. Oh, it's great, blah blah blah. You lose five pounds. And uh, obviously, it improves a bunch of different markers, um, IGF-1 levels, uh, hopefully my insulin resistance and things like that. But I I decided to give a shot. And on day three, I was just beat down, zapped, like in hell. Day four was worse. Day five, I caught a cold. I mean, it was was really bad. But um, after about a week later, I, I, I just felt amazing. And I just had my, my blood draw done. And so we'll see if it improved a lot of those different markers that I'm looking at. So fasting is definitely um, something I'm interested in and something and I'll be doing. you did this uh, using the fast mimicking diet. That's right. right. So this is from, uh, I guess, 
Dr. Longo. Yeah, Walt, Walter Longo. So um, pre-packaged, low-calorie hmm. food. Yeah, so it's pretty... to allow you to mimic the benefits of pure fasting while consuming uh, nutrient-dense right. food of some type. Yeah, so he's, he's a scientist that basically said, okay, we all know that fasting with just water only really sucks. Is it possible that to... That was actually, I think, the headline of his <laughs> That was his paper, actually. <laughs> Um, nobody, he said, okay, there's a lot of people that can benefit from this, um, cancer patients and people with diabetes and a few other folks that we know benefit from fasting. Were you not recording? No, I was recording. I'm okay. turning off the mic that isn't being used. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you could just repeat all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so anyway, long story short, he was like, okay, I'm going to do a study and do some research and see what the minimal amount of food that you can eat, but still get these positive benefits on the fasting side. And he found out that it's a right around 500 calories a day, which sounds like a lot, but actually it's just like a couple sipping broths like and, like, and like two olives <laughs> yeah. and like one almond is basically what I ate every day. Now, do you think your fast would have been easier had you not gone through the torture of being like, okay, I'm going to eat, but I'm only allowed to have one and three quarter olives? I, I think it would have been easier. So the problem, and I'm, I'm curious if this is, so Longo's diet actually suggests um, things like a, a pretty high starchy diet. So you don't get into full ketosis. So you're in kind of this like really shitty zone. Yeah, you're where, in the limbo misery zone. Yeah, you're like 0.8 millimolars of ketones. Like it's kind of this really crappy, no energy, not enough carbs to have energy, not enough, uh, not few enough carbs to be in full ketosis. So it's a bad place to be. I would like to, and something I was working with Rhonda Patrick on recently, another scientist um, that's been on your show, yeah. she, her thoughts are, okay, let's take the same amount of calories, let's flip it and say all high fat though, so you can fully get into ketosis. Um, so that's kind of the thinking on round two that I might try and see what, it, see what it does. Yeah, I endorse the second for sure, which is basically what I do when, I, I mean, when I'm fasting for any period of time. Through, and by the way, you should do this with medical supervision, clearly he is. <laughs> Uh, but allowing some degree of fat or at least, say, exogenous ketones or MCTs to make the first two days a little bit easier in transition. Yeah. Don't you also, like, sleep in a hyperbaric chamber or something? Like, uh, <laughs> like Michael Jackson? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't sleep in a hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> I've done a hyperbaric oxygen treatments before, <laughs> during fasts. Uh, primarily you just, just Google to, that? Just to like, see what would happen. Well, it turns out that Dominic D'Agostino, who's this incredible scientist who's been on the podcast, who has, uh, I think, the second longest chapter in Tools of Titans, which goes deeply into uh, ketosis and fasting and ketogenic diets and so on, has also done studies looking at how to use or applications of hyperbaric oxygen treatment or therapy to different types of disease states. And I was just very curious to see what would happen. So... Uh, <laughs> I'll give you an example. This is going to sound like I'm completely making this up, but I, I tracked it and you can choose to believe it or not. Uh, I went into a hyperbaric chamber at about, I want to say 2.5 atmospheres ultimately. And that's an indicator of the pressure. You have to be very careful with this. They, they, they do not allow you to take anything inside because if it's pumped full of pure oxygen and you have say a paper clip, you could just ignite yourself into a gigantic fireball. Uh, or anything just about. So you can't bring anything in there. You have to wear very, you have to wear their clothing and so on. And I did a, there were two things that I did simultaneously in the hyperbaric chamber. I was in there for a total of about 90 minutes. And again, don't try this at home. I <laughs> do this with proper supervision, uh, which I had. I was deep into ketosis because I did a, a 10 day fast, which you should never try without medical supervision. And I was at about six millimolars. Uh, or 6.5 millimolars, which is the concentration of ketones in your blood. And I use a device called the Precision Extra, XTRA, to measure this. It's very, very simple to do. So I was in deep, deep, full-blown ketosis. And what Dom noticed, Dominic, and I noticed in other people, is that when you're in deep ketosis, and you, there are scientific reasons that this is the case, you can hold your breath about twice as long as normal, if not more. And didn't, didn't Navy SEALs try and do this? Or there was something he was doing training for the government? So, so Dom has been funded by divisions of and uh, components of the military to develop supplemental ketones and other therapies that people can use to avoid uh, hypoxic 
disorders. So if, if, for instance, you're a Navy SEAL and you need to be underwater for a long period of time with a rebreather, which is a certain type of breathing apparatus, you can develop, uh, I mean, I, I suppose in the extreme brain damage uh, from being underwater for a very long period of time. So if you can extract more energy from every molecule of oxygen, there's a huge uh, competitive, well, competitive. <laughs> there's a, let's call it competitive advantage. Uh, so he's been developing these ketone esters and so on for military applications. So I was not only in deep ketosis, uh, I was in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. So I'm breathing effectively 100% oxygen. And I did a bunch of Wim Hof breathing exercises while inside the capsule. Nice. <laughs> and I, did you pass out? You must have passed I thought my brain was going to melt at one point, and I stopped. <laughs> and then I held my breath. I did three rounds of breath holding, and I held my breath for seven and a half minutes. And then you did high-dose mushrooms right after that? It might have been two hours before, which would explain the feeling of weightlessness. No, uh, but seven and a half minutes. My, and if I tried to hold my breath right now, it'd be about 45 seconds. That's my normal. How did you count? Because you can't have any devices or anything. Oh, no, there are windows because ah. they'll show you like cheesy 80s movies where they have a DVD while you're sitting there bored out of your skull. Wow. So if you want to watch like Lethal Weapon 17, like it's available. Uh, and they, they have signed me up. And they, they, before. <laughs> and they have clocks outside that you can see. So I could actually track the time. Uh, what about you, Matt? At, uh, we're, we're going like rewinding here a bit. Uh, in terms of end of year stuff, how, how do you think about that? Do you do a recap? Do yeah, you... I actually just got out. I was telling Kevin, uh, we just did the sort of all the execs at Automatic, uh, which is a company where I work at. We make uh, WordPress.com and stuff. Uh, got together to plan out actually the next three years. And, uh, and then on Saturday, I delivered the State of the Word address, which is like the annual WordPress this is it's like the State of the Union, but for uh, bloggers, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> so a lot of planning. Like basically, my past month has been like super heads down. I've been in a cave, and just like today, coming out of it, which is kind of cool to share that with all of y'all. And uh, all of y'all, that's a Massachusetts accent, <laughs> if you're wondering. Uh, but that is, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's primarily a work focus, right? You're looking at the future of the organization. You're looking at the future of, say, WordPress as an uh, open source project, potentially. Uh, do you do the same personally? Do you have three-year goals outside of that personally? Of course, the business involves you, but are there things outside of that that you have long-term goals for? I typically, I make a simple note for each year, called like goals in the year. I started the 2017 one. Uh, the only thing in it so far is to visit Russia. So wait a second. All right. So do you have like sticky note on your computer and you just write in 2017, enter, visit Russia, or do you put this in a, in a, in a how do you capture this? Hey, so simple notes, this, uh, simple this app. Note. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I like kind of dissed Russia accidentally. And because um, I was looking at a map of all the word camps in the world, I was like, hey, Russia, what's up? But just being like a geographically ignorant American, I didn't realize that 90% of Russia lives in the like Western 10%. So there was actually a work camp in Moscow that I had kind of like pretended there wasn't. And so all the Russians got mad at me. I figured that was a very bad thing. So I was like, okay, I'll go to Russia. Make so I wrote it down. Yeah. So it's a diplomatic mission. Yes. <laughs> uh, what, did you ha- what did you have in your list for 2016? Uh, so much. It's actually uh, a long list. Um, and this year it kind of like took a few side turns, you know? So uh, I try to think, actually it's something I often do around the end of the year is I ask a lot of people who I know, kind of crowdsource resolutions. Have you ever tried this? No. You should do it. <laughs> let's, all right, what should we do? Well, let's, let's try it. So, so, okay, so visit Russia. We've done this before, actually. Yeah, we have done yeah. this before. We've, we've been on a lot of Thelma and Louise style travel trips before. <laughs> Uh, I have so, one for Matt that I want you to do this year. Well, you have an all assignment right. for Matt? Well, I, just this. He's, we wanted crowdsourcing. We're giving crowdsourcing. No, no, okay, all right. Exactly the idea. I want you to do the Wim Hof method. Oh, so the ice training, the freezing cold. That has been a game changer for me last year. So I just met the dude at, um, at Summit at Sea. Mm-hmm. I went to his workshop, but I haven't really done it since. It was a little weird. There's something for your list if you want to add it. So it, it, do you it, ever it, like Wim Hof in public? Do I ever Wim Hof in public? <laughs> Well, because it's, it's like is, very vigorous breathing, right? Like oh, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so sometimes I feel like, oh, this would be, I could use a little more energy right now, but then I don't want people to like, you don't want, to, you want people to call the police like, when you're doing it in a waiting yeah. room? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so just a, just a caveat on Wim Hof for everybody. Um, <laughs> fascinating stuff. You have to be very careful. So Josh Waitzkin, we've talked to you before. The shallow water blackout that he suffered so from, which could have killed him, was after practicing Wim Hof breathing before swimming. You have to be very, very, very careful with this. Can I just say anything Tim recommends you should be very careful? <laughs> Morning journaling, it, you can take your thumbs off. Uh, if it's high velocity journaling, only professionals. So I'm down with this though. Have you done like the hiking the mountain in your underwear thing? Or like how cold do you get? More or less. Um, uh, so less than underwear? Less the mountain and less the underwear. I mean, there's a photo on the internet of me and my underwear in the ice. So really? I, I did go wow. that far. I will say to everyone out there, um, the Wim Method, uh, you've probably heard him on, on Tim's show, and he's been on a bunch of Thank podcasts. You. It, it's 10 weeks of, of pretty hardcore training. Um, 10 weeks. That starts off really slow. So, you know, you start off with like a 15-second cold shower at the end of your shower, and then it gradually builds up to... For me, at the end, it was buying like 10 bags of ice, putting it in my bathtub, and then laying there up to my neck for about 15, 20 minutes, um, and you're not even shivering. So you, you wow. actually gain a, a pretty high tolerance to this stuff. But the thing that was most interesting to me is that I think that, you know, at least for me, all of us, um, me and most people I talk to, we have this like emotional roller coaster that we all ride. And, and for me, it's always kind of like between the, 80 and 90%, and some days are great, you go up to 100, but it's always this depending on what's going on in your life and what challenges you have, you're always kind of writing that. And I've always considered myself a pretty happy person, but after about two or three weeks, actually week two, the end of week two, the breathing exercises are great, but it's really the cold that does it. Huh. Um, it releases a bunch of different compounds in your brain, and you feel just amazing. More energy and focus and just... I felt as though almost like, you know when you're, when you're a kid and you just don't have a worry in the world and everything feels amazing and you lose kind of track of time? I, I got all of those emotions back again. And so for me, it's kind of like a winter thing because the cold is coming anyway. So yeah. every year, and even now, I'm on like week two of it, um, I started back up again. And I just feel so much better. It just, it's crazy. It, it lifts the bar. I didn't know the bar could go that high. So you still have those little fluctuations but the bar is a little bit higher for me. And, and Rhonda will give you all the science behind it. It's the release of norepinephrine in the brain, yeah. and, uh, but it, it's amazing stuff. So we both got here at the same time. We were both wearing coats. That's right. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin actually walked through the lobby. He wasn't underwear, and he had ice packs oh, strapped yeah, to his body. Yeah, you don't know what I have underneath this. <laughs> Do you want me to strip down? I mean, I, I can mean, go low if you want. Do you guys want awesome. Kevin to strip down? <laughs> This is every time like people the, people, the, people, the people want it. Those two people I want it. Uh, so so the, the, the cold, I'm just going to make a note on that, which is uh, coming back to one of the audience questions about chillness. Uh, this is something that I've also uh, invested in, in the sense that I'm regularly going to say Russian baths. You guys are very fortunate if you're in New York City to have some incredible Russian and Turkish baths here. As filthy as they may be, uh, that have tremendous cold plunges. I and took my wife one time. She's like, I am never going back to that place ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I went there, uh, I think three trips ago, there was a guy, this old Russian guy, shaving his shaving. neck. I was with and you. And blowing hair into the, just onto the floor where everyone <laughs> oh was walking. Is, we were sitting there looking yeah, at this guy yeah, blowing his hair. It was disgusting. Onto the floor. So yeah, wear your That's sandals. Something about uh, but, that is awesome though. <laughs> But, the, but uh, even as far carry? back as, say, you know, Van exactly. Gogh, when he had cut his own ear off, which I also don't recommend, uh, <laughs> was prescribed cold baths as part of the recovery therapy. Who is so that? Van, Van Gogh, yeah, the painter? Oh, yeah. I don't know if he's the best <laughs> example to follow. I was wondering if he's like, like, no, no, like, look, there's... Can't bat. No one bats a thousand. But. I do have a question about the cold thing, because I know you both do it. Um, to say, have either of you done that thing where you, like, get in the... Freezing. Thing. Oh yeah, a ton of times. Like the, the cryotherapy. Yeah, yeah the cryotherapy. Like, okay, how does it compare? I don't think it's as good actually. I don't. I don't. Really? I don't. Uh, as the ice. I don't use ice it. is better. Whoa. Okay. I prefer the ice. The cryotherapy. There are a few things. Number one, it really. I just want another device in my house. Well, so it, it turns out I was going to get a cryotherapy chamber in my house. Uh, <laughs> very, very, very dangerous for a host of reasons. But oh, you want to attend it, right? Like. You, well, you want to attend it, and also the. Uh, the gas that is used can be highly explosive. 
Uh, so <laughs> you, have to, you have to be fair. I looked into this quite seriously and decided against it for a million reasons. But uh, the ice, super cheap. I mean, I have a standing freezer that is dedicated to ice. Yeah. I have bags of ice. I looked at all these sophisticated cooling systems. I just decided, you know, use Instacart <laughs> if you have the option to get a bunch of ice. This is like, I'm there. Their, their nightmare customer. Yeah, I'm, like, put them I'm, out like, I'm like the 1% who's like, oh my God, I can get 100 pounds of ice delivered for $5? Yeah, I'm in. Sure. And, and then I put it in this standing freezer. It's dedicated. <laughs> this is why to, startups fail, people. It's people yeah, like you. The Tim Ferriss effect. It's like Pets.com ordering the dog food for free shipping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the edge cases. Those are going to bleed you. Uh, but... The, the cryotherapy, I also didn't like the fact that the, the, uh, on numerous occasions I've tried it and my eyelids have frozen shut. Just not really a huge fan of that uh, experience or sensation whatsoever. Um, Would you say eyelids? Yeah, my oh, eyes okay. froze shut. So uh, yeah. I wasn't, wasn't a huge, uh, huge fan of that entire sensory experience. It's not something that I would expect to pay for. Uh, so you see, you, you just got to open your mind, Tim. Yeah. Trust me, I think it's too open. <laughs> the surgeries and MRIs to prove it. But uh, what other what other types of resolutions are you hoping to crowdsource? Well, I like this. Kevin gave me one. Can I get one from you? And then we can trade them. There we go. Like uh, sure. Good, yeah, uh, let's do that. Okay. So, and in fact, uh, the way I learned to swim was by doing this exercise with a friend named Chris Ashenden. We gave each other assignments. So his was a one-kilometer minimum open water swim. At the time, I couldn't do one lap. So that was the incentive and, and, and the potential for never-ending shaming <laughs> that drove me to learn to, to swim in my 30s. And for him, he was addicted to stimulants, uh, meaning just tons of double espressos, coffees, everything you can imagine, all day, every day. And so it was a year without anything stronger than green tea, which he also did. Wow. And so it changed both of our lives that year. Uh, give you a resolution. I would say uh, because of how much we have traveled together, I will say conversational fluency in a foreign language. Oof. That's so, been on the resolutions for like 10 years. I know. When we travel, trying. the deal is I'm like the, the Tarzan-sounding translator. I'll try to learn Turkish or whatever language corresponds to where we happen to be traveling. And Matt is the docu... The, he's like the National Geographic photo documentarian. He takes all the photos. Uh, so that's been the arrangement. So I would say uh, learn a language. Didn't you say something about accentuating strengths instead of improving weaknesses? <laughs> I did, but I think you're trying to, I think you're trying to dodge <laughs> this assignment I, that I, you've I, asked for. So I would say conversational fluency, which just means being able to hold, say, a basic five-minute conversation in a foreign language. All right. Can I do one for you? Yes, I would love that. Uh, I think a little bit to what we, have you ever done like a long hike, like a week or more? No. Recently? You're kind of a city comfort guy? No, I like outdoors. You like outdoors? I mean, I do little hikes, like little jaunts and whatnot. So, so that's the challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just talking about the, the two blocks to get <laughs> yeah, some blue I bottle my, coffee. I take my dog for a walk. I throw the ball. <laughs> that would be uh, the thing, like a long hike. Yeah, explain the one that you were telling me backstage because that one sounds amazing. Oh, is this the, the Japan walk? Yeah. So with, uh, with Dan Rubin and Craig Marad, I did a, a Kumano Kodo, which is a uh, Japanese pilgrimage trail, kind of like the Camino Santiago, I yeah, think Camino it's called. Yeah, Camino Santiago. Uh, so it was about 100 kilometers we did over eight days from kind of coast to Khoisan. And uh, super amazing. It was, it was like glamping, though, which is totally okay for this challenge, for this uh, resolution, even though you're not Don't tell Kevin that. He'll have Sherpas carrying Dude, him on a throne. You, you are more like that than I am. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> I am an Eagle Scout, so oh, I have that. Yeah, Kevin, I'm this so tired of this Eagle Scout routine. <laughs> like, we could be talking about fucking anything. Don't come back to that. We're like, That's yeah, why. we should really go do this and this and this, and it's then like go pick up our friends at Crosby, and you're like, hey, I was an Eagle Scout. I'm like... <laughs> It's like that What's joke, so, how do you know someone's an Eagle Tim, Scout? They tell you in the first 30 seconds. Yeah, it's like, it's like CrossFit and veganism and Eagle Scouts. <laughs> Dude, why do you got to hate on the Eagle Scouts? No, I like them. I'm just like, thou doth protest too much. It's actually <laughs> legit. I only made it to Star. Thank Eagle you. Scout is high five. Dude, Star is pretty legit too. Uh, not, I mean, it's okay. Eagles, Eagles. So, yeah. so, all right. <laughs> that was kind. So, Japan. <laughs> okay, so maybe the outdoor thing, if you did Eagle Scout, like, did you ever do Philmont? Uh, I bailed on a Philmont trip. Wait, what's oh, Philmont? Was, it was Philmont's like this long. famous Boy Scout hiking thing. It's like 50 miles, though. It's, it's pretty... <laughs> if you're going to do a week of hiking, you're probably going to cover more than 50 miles. Well, his, his was pretty short, though. What was it? A kilometer is not too bad. But it's, it's yeah. in the mountains, so you're up and down a lot. Um, right. That's a good one. That's a, like an extended trip. I've, 
<laughs> so people have asked me about like my, my year plan, my two-year, five-year plan. The only thing that I will, or I shouldn't say the only, but one type of thing I will schedule far in advance is this type of extended trip. So I've, uh, I think it's an 18-day uh, kayaking trip through the Grand Canyon planned in 2017. It's the only extended block of time that I've set aside, aside from some Japan excitement that is, that is coming shortly. <laughs> but the benefit of that also is that when you put it on the calendar, and, and I think both of you guys have experienced this, is that you get the benefit of anticipation, and that is 90% of the payoff, if that makes any sense. I, I really, Unless I, it's a really good trip, then it's like 20% <laughs> of the payoff. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, for me, maybe I have a very overactive imagination. It's like 90% uh, of, of the benefit is the anticipation of it. So I have one for you. Oh, boy, here we go. All right, yes, yeah, this Kevin. Is a, this is easy, and I know you want to do it, but you bailed on it this year. Ooh. Oh, let's hear this. I want you to do... Are you talking about Van Damme splits? That's on my New Year's resolution you to do every Van year. Van Damme splits and like, in front of everyone right now. <laughs> now, I want you to go on a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Ooh. Okay, yeah. No, this is good. This is, I, so I accept, <laughs> and I actually had it on my calendar to do this year. And then uh, I don't remember what it conflicted with. It conflicted with something. Something happened. You bailed. I remember. Yeah, I know. I, I did, but I was on the calendar. So it's yes, a lot. Cha- ten days is long. Yeah, no, challenge accepted. I'll do a 10 days ah. silent retreat. You nice. do it. Challenge All accepted. Right. Eagle Scouts do that a lot, but. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eagle talk Scouts. about being yeah. Eagle Scouts. I mean, <laughs> it's like the hunted, right? I mean, they're like chasing fugitives. That's, <laughs> that's what I hear about those Eagle Scouts. For the hikes, uh, I'll say the Kumano Kodo. Apparently, there's awesome in, uh, in Iceland where you can stay in like little huts. And then uh, the Camino Santiago one. And, and for cool. those people I interested, I, I, done. I walk in challenge. the woods is a great way to invigorate and interest. Well, forest bathing. You've heard about this, right? <laughs> I was talking about a book, Forest Bathing. Well, you said Walk in the Woods, right? A Walk in the Woods, yeah. a book by Bill Oh, Bryson. okay. So anyway, there's, there was a, a study that came out recently. No, I, I will check it out. Okay. <laughs> I had two glasses of wine before I came out here. Um, so the, uh, forest bathing, a, a new Japanese study came out that showed that the Japanese that spend time in the forest have like lower levels of cortisol and like all these positive benefits from just spending... It's 15 minutes a week in the forest. I, I completely believe it. And uh, there's some extra wine for you. For a little more? Oh, I'm good. Uh, the, it's, it's amazing how these new discoveries are like the most common sense conclusions that people would have drawn 500 years ago. It's like, let's put you into a concrete prison where everyone's angry and honks a lot <laughs> and screams at you because you knocked over the cashews. Don't talk and- about Manhattan like that. <laughs> Well, you know, I was just thinking to myself today, I'm like, I bet if every person stopped honking, it would all move at the same speed. It's just like <laughs> so much anger. So go upstate, take a trip upstate. I think that's, that's a good call. What questions would you guys like to hear answered up here? Anything? Just fire away. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I we think should, this, is the, this is the highest stakes for Kevin. You got to repeat this. Can for, I repeat that? So yeah, repeat it for the question. The question is: yeah. the what is most uh, frustrating? Is that it? And inspiring about the women in our lives? Oh Jesus! This is just like here's a grenade. I'm gonna pull the pin and enjoy. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a great question. It's a really great uh, question. Let's start with the inspiration. Um, I have been very fortunate. I've had some really great relationships. Uh, not- <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, geez. <laughs> Did I tell you I was an Eagle Scout? Let me tell you. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I have. I've, had, I've been very fortunate to have some really, really good relationships uh, with significant others over the last uh, six, seven years. <laughs> Fucking Kevin, this guy. <laughs> you can't take him anywhere. Um, and I would say whether it's with my mom, with, with whom I have a very deep relationship, or significant others, I think that the, and this is going to sound funny, but I, I think a lot of men get, they're proud of how analytical they think they are and get very good at ignoring like the flashing signal that's right in front of them the whole time. And at least speaking personally, that's been the case for me. And so helping me to listen to, like Ramit said uh, earlier, the, the intuition, as maligned as that might be, and to pay attention to 
feeling. This just like a kinesthetic embodiment uh, or a perception of what is good or bad uh, has been hugely valuable to me. And uh, also, I think that um, men in general are can be overly aggressive and combative. Uh, the the fight, I think, is sometimes overestimated as an asset. And the the counterbalancing that I've experienced with a number of women in my life, we're like, maybe he's just hungry. Like maybe he doesn't. He's not like out to get you. Or like <laughs> he sent that email that you're so upset about. It's like maybe you just needed a sandwich. Chill the fuck out. Like you know, like <laughs> why are you assuming? the absolute worst motivation behind it. Uh, and uh, having that type of tempering voice has been hugely valuable to me. Frustrating? Um, okay. And th- I think this is a Tim problem more than anything else, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm not always the best at expressing my emotions or contending with some of the emotions that I don't view as particularly valuable to me at a, a given point in time. And uh, so I've developed a lot of body armor over a lifetime of believing this and getting the shit kicked out of me for a long time in school. I mean, literally, physically, have developed a lot of coping mechanisms. And when I am confronted with someone who has, let's just call it, more emotional range than I do, Mm. more emotional volatility maybe than I do, I just, I am a deer in headlights. I have a lot of trouble contending with that. And when it, for some women, it's just like a tempest that blows in and blows out and then everything's cool. It's like complete meltdown, like crying hysterics for two minutes. And they're like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they're totally cool. And I'm like fucked up for hours <laughs> by that. Um, so I would say that's, that's probably pretty high on the list for me, which I think, again, is more of a, a Tim issue than, than anyone else issue. Hmm. You guys? Oh, go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) This is is when the awkward Matt laugh comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, inspiration, first I think of, of course, my mother and uh, just my entire, my entire, my mother and my sister really, like Mullenweg women are very strong, so I was lucky to grow up around really strong women. And to this, now, I have the good fortune to work with and be very close friends with like uh, women and in the technology field. Um, you know, I think it is a tough one for women, especially engineers. And so there is examples of folks who work twice as hard to get half as far. And like it is uh, the resilience, I think, is something we can all learn from. Uh, I think the thing I've learned the most actually is close to yours, which is empathy. Like this for me has been a year where like a lot of emotions opened up that I didn't even know I had. And uh, like what fury? I've never seen you really, really angry. Yeah. Um, oh, it was grief this year. Grief. You know, yeah. my father passed no, we've away. We've talked a lot about this. Yeah. And um, and sadness and like uh, and that you know it was this weird thing where because it it kind of triggered in other places. You know, I'd see like a story on the news. And just get so emotional about it. I was like, wow, where did that come from? You know, that it was like a, you know, something that would have never affected me before. I just would have like water off a duck. I'm like, I was like practically in tears or in tears, like for a situation with people I never knew or heard of. And uh, that was like, where did these emotions come from? How are they happening? How do I make it stop? <laughs> and, uh, and I've definitely uh, been close to folks who, who are like that. Um, I think the frustration for, and this is again probably a math thing, <laughs> probably a Tim thing too, <laughs> is uh, just learning around expectations, something I'm learning to navigate more. Um, that, you know, men and women sometimes have different, very different expectations out of the same things. And so learning to navigate that is something I'm really trying to figure out. What type of things? Expectations of what types of things? <laughs> I'm not going to let that slide. <laughs> So for me, I think part of it's around relationships is, is kind of where I had expectations in mind where I said that is, um, you know, if you're, if you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, like what are the expectations Got around? Those are the parameters, the, the rules of engagement. Yeah, especially this year where I'm trying to like 
withdraw a little bit and like kind of rebuild. Uh, also, work's been incredibly busy. So rebuild, you mean just yourself? Yeah. Um, that whole expectations externally can both be flattering and frustrating and like heartbreaking and like everything all in one. What was the, uh, if, if you're willing to share, there was a book that you found really helpful when contending with grief. I remember you'd mentioned it to me. Oh, and you yeah. thought it applied to a lot more than that. I remember when we chatted about it. Yeah, I, I'd recommend it. It was uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And she was, uh, one of her first books was one, the one that came up with the five stages of grief. Uh, like the anger, depression, denial, you know, all that. Uh, and then her last book, which is actually published posthumously, is called On Grief and Grieving. I think one was called like On Death and Dying, On Life and Living, and then this final book, On Grief and Grieving. And it's really beautiful as well because she wrote it on her deathbed. Wow. And grief is something, it helped me understand that grief is something that happens actually before you have a loss, the anticipation of a loss, something during, and something after. There's a lot of guilt involved at the various stages of that. And um, the other thing I didn't realize that's just useful for everyone to know is the stages don't happen in order. <laughs> I actually have some... Uh, some uh, glasses that have the stages on them so you can fill up your booze to like the different levels and then drink it down. I took a photograph of that today. Oh, cool. Uh, I thought it was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, there, there's, there's these little <laughs> line markers on the glass yeah. that correspond to the, to the stages. Yeah. And, and so part of that implies that they're linear, but you can have a couple going at once and out of order. And, uh, and sometimes you jump into one of those stages just out of the blue. So that was definitely one that was... Uh, yeah, really helpful this year. And I would recommend for anyone, actually anyone, because we all have parents. Uh, sometimes those parents pass, they get older, or just anything in our lives. Uh, and like you said the other day, people often go before you're ready or they're ready. And so it felt like reading it afterwards wasn't ideal, but I, it felt like I had a lot more almost emotional vocabulary to talk about these things that I didn't even know what the words were or what the experiences were. Okay, Kevin. All right. Eagle Scout. <clears throat> so uh, let's see here. My two. Um, I would say that this last Thanksgiving was probably pretty difficult when it comes to family and the women in my life. Uh, my dad passed away a few years ago, so it's pretty much all women from this point forward. Um, and my sister and mom definitely have different political and religious beliefs than I do. Mm. And so that is very challenging. Um, especially when it's time to sit down and have the religion talk and how I should rejoin the fold in certain ways. And so um, I would say that's been the biggest challenge for me um, just because it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving. It's hard to navigate those waters. Right. I think with any family, male or female, it really doesn't matter. (laughs) It can be difficult. So that was my biggest challenge. I would say the thing I'm most grateful for um, and impressed by would have to be, my wife's willingness to work on problems together. So, you know, it's easy for me, I think, that to get the, like, angry, I'm pissed off and kind of, like, you know, stomp and say, like, and put up a wall. And I'm very lucky in that it's kind of, like, her natural state to kind of try and work on things and say, well, this is part of being married. Let's continue to work on this and, like, come to a resolution there and, and kind of um, really break that side of me down into something that's, that's where I can realize that, oh, yeah, we are in this together for the long term. Let's work on this. And it will forever be something that we have to work on because there is no such thing as a perfect state, you know. I mean, there can be for certain periods of time, but, you know, there's always going to be something come up, coming up every year. So uh, just the ability to have a mate like that, someone that's willing to work on things rather than it would be hell if you were both like that, right? Because that's when, like, relationships fall apart. So I'm very fortunate to have someone that, that's that open to that kind of stuff. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. It's really yeah. vulnerable. No problem. So we're going to close with, with a question from me, and then I think we're going to let you guys get to your Friday evening, and uh, we'll move on to, for those of you who do have the blue wristbands, we'll do that part. VIP. Yeah, that's right. Uh, VIP. God, I hate that acronym, but it's the only one I have as a placeholder. What's your VIP room like? Is there like uh, weights in there? And if shit? we're switching, like, it's we like hookers and well. kettlebells and, and 
Ponies everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. just going to pour some it's of this. It's very exciting. I hope that's what you guys read the fine print, right, on that <laughs> sign-up. I think the 92Y sure. people are, are just, Thank like, you. cursing themselves for letting me get on stage now. Oh, my God, we're moving to tequila. No, the, the, the VIP thing is just going to be a smaller group where we can hang. Uh, so the question I have for you guys – oh, God, wow. Look at the heavy hand of Matt Mullenweg. Uh, is uh, it's amazing how quiet the room got on the hookers and blow comment. Did you see that? Uh, so the, the, the question is, <laughs> I'm waiting for some residual laughter. Okay, everybody got it who's going to get it? Great. Uh, the, the question is, what would you like, or at the tail end of a year, any closing recommendations, asks of the audience? Or suggestions that you would have just for just for a very good in this case 2017 people will be listening to this podcast for probably a very long time and I'll, I'll start so the one that I would recommend is um, two things so a be your stupid weird self and don't be ashamed of it which is deliberately why I say stupid things like the preceding four or five sentences <laughs> and uh, B goal setting isn't enough uh, goal setting is what we all do we all set resolutions and we tend to find the same resolutions popping up the next year and then the next and the next. So I think fear setting as an exercise is very important. I'll describe it briefly. It's certainly in Tools of Titans. I've written, written about it elsewhere. You can Google fear setting and find it. But take whatever it is that you're considering or putting off. could be starting a company, quitting a job, starting a relationship, ending a relationship, and break the page into three columns. And so you have what you're considering or putting off at the top that you've thought about a long time. On the left-hand side, you're going to write down all of the worst things that could happen in, in excruciating detail, bullet by bullet. The second column for each of those bullets, what you could do to minimize the likelihood of it happening. And then in the last column, what you could do, what you could do to get back to where you are now could be two months, six months, a year, if you had to, if each of those happened. And when you go through that exercise, you very quickly realize that nine times out of 10, you're risking, say, on a scale of zero to 10 impact, a two or three negative uh, transient or temporary setback uh, compared to a potential, say, nine or 10 semi-permanent positive impact. And that makes the bet really easy, right? If I said to you, all right, we're going to roll a six-sided die. If I get a one, you pay me a dollar. Anything else, I pay you a dollar. You would take that all day long. And so you start to realize that, and you're able to take the emergency break off, uh, which is what prevents you from hitting the goals that you've set. So fear setting would be my recommendation. Either of you guys? So just recommendations for year-end? Yeah, recommendations, thoughts, asks. Sure. Okay, so a few things real quick. Um, one, go see the movie Kubo. Have you seen Kubo? Anyone seen Kubo at all? It was amazing. Uh, stop motion animation like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't yet. Seen oh it. my God, so good. All right, so see that one. Um, the Birth of Saki is another one you got to watch. Uh, highly recommend. Anyone see that at all? Sake. Sake, Eagle Scout. Sake. <laughs> uh, and then I, I would say my last one is that um, is on the meditation front. Um, obviously, everyone talks about meditation. It's a, like the hot topic these days. Um, we've all played with Headspace and Calm and a few other apps. I will say that my biggest insight in the last six months has, has been that when you do the 10 or 15 minute little trial and get going, you kind of you do it and you think like, oh, okay, I tried that, and you put it away for a while. If you stick with it and you just go a little bit deeper, things start to unlock, and I, I feel that the stress level and everything else just kind of plummets. Um, there's obviously I'm just a couple of years into this whole world, but like, I, I feel that I didn't know that in the early days. I thought that I had tried it and I, I kind of gave up. And I would say that in the last few months, um, it's, it's really started to have a, a kind of deeper impact on me when I dedicate more time to it. It's, it's hard to find the time, but if you can set aside the 20 plus minutes a day, I think that's when you really start to see what it's all about, or at least get a glimpse of what it's all about, versus the really lightweight, you know, 10 minutes I tried it and I'm done kind of thing. And do you track that different from your Wim Hof time? Or yeah, completely different. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. yeah, the 20 minutes, I mean, I find for, for me is kind of the magic number in the sense that, like you said, 10 definitely reduces stress. 10 after 
for me at least, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes in, it's like, okay, now the mud is finally settled and mm -hmm. the water is actually clear for a few minutes. And it's those few minutes that are right. so impactful. Matt? I realized I didn't get to assign you a 2017 goal. Oh, yes. all right, here we go. So I'm gonna mix those in. I sure. think the 2016 one, which I'm gonna carry forward, but you can't really tell whether it's done or not, is uh, everything in moderation. I'm so bad at that. Okay. Yeah, you're good at everything except moderation. <laughs> yeah, this is true. And okay. so that's, uh, that's my challenge. Moderation. Right. Uh, but the, the specific thing that I'll ask of you and uh, the audience, um, you all already have Tim's book. I'm about like halfway, three-fifths in, loving it. Uh, I'll recommend two other books that are coming up. Um, one is coming out in the beginning of January. It's called Rebirth from a mutual friend of That's ours, right. uh, Kamal Ravikant, Kamal Ravikant. Which is actually about a story uh, going on the uh, Camino Santiago. Mm -hmm. uh, El Camino Santiago. I forget the name. I'm probably messing it up. That's close enough. Yeah. Uh, really beautiful book. And two, which was probably the best book not written by Tim I've read in the past five years, uh, is called Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. And it's got a longer subtitle. So that's the other challenge to you. I would love to see you interview and then later be interviewed by Krista Tippett. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'd love does, to do that. It's actually very similar to Tools of Titans in that she has interviewed hundreds of amazing folks, but focused more on like, the like theological and philosophical and sometimes theological. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's actually really fascinating, like opened my mind in a lot of ways. And much like your stuff, like I came out with a ton of notes and a ton of things to read, like going to the source materials and everything like that. So that would be, uh, if you like Tim's stuff, I think you'd also like her stuff as like almost like a different side of the same coin. Yeah, agreed. No, I think uh, I have a book. I think it's very oh, complimentary. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Have you read it though? I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don, you're ahead of it. I did. I Check. did indeed. <laughs> All right, guys, please give a hand. Kevin Rose, Matt Mullenweg. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the, uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out. Just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com, all spelled out. And just drop in your email, and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it.